term, and it's a great pleasure to kick off Trinity term with our, our first speaker, Professor Eric Kaufman, who is a professor of politics at Birkbeck College, although I see his previous post was a reader in politics and sociology, so maybe we should add sociology to his, uh, his title. He uh, did his first degree at the University of Western Ontario and his graduate work at London School of Economics. His, uh, began his research on the, the uh, uh, Northern Ireland, politics in Northern Ireland, and he's written the definitive monograph on the Orange Order, that rather uh, interesting organization uh, <laughs> of Protestants uh, in Northern Ireland. Since then, he's continued to study the intersection of demography, politics, uh, and ethnicity in a variety of societies. His, so he recently wrote a book um, uh, titled, Shall the Religious Inherit the Earth? Demography and Politics in the 21st Century? for which he gave the rather provocative answer, yes, the religious will <laughs> inherit the earth because they have lots of faith. Um, and today he's uh, talking about his uh, recent project on uh, white flight in contemporary Britain. Thanks very much, Michael. Um, so yeah, this is uh, welcome. And this is a project um, which is an ESRC-funded project which I'm doing with my co-investigator, Gareth Harris, also at Department of Politics, Birkbeck College. So this is a joint project, and it's also under the uh, Secondary Data Analysis Initiative. I should mention that as well. Um, and the, the talk here is entitled, Is There White Flight in England? Why Whites in Homogenous English Wards Are More Opposed uh, to Immigration? Uh, and what we're trying to do, really, with this talk is to bring together two relatively separate intellectual endeavors, one which is more associated with geographers and, and sociologists as well, which is this work on... Uh, residential segregation. Uh, and secondly, another discourse which is more associated with politics and sociology, um, which is opinion about immigration and far-right voting as well. So it's trying to bridge the sort of more geographic with the more opinion type research. Um, also, a couple of theoretical perspectives, uh, which, which I sort of bring to this from my previous work. One is a focus on ethnic majority groups. So there's been a lot of research uh, originally coming out of the United States, the Chicago School that looked at ethnicity as a sort of uh, immigrant phenomenon, as a sort of minority phenomenon, looked at urban ethnicity. Uh, and that, I think, has shaped the nature of the field. So there's a strong, pretty strong focus on ethnic, ethnicity as a minority thing. The idea that ethnicity is actually a majority thing is, is less familiar, although it's growing in, in popularity. Um, Second, as, as Michael mentioned, this focus on political demography, and I've, I've just uh, co-edited a, a book with Monica Toft, who's actually based here at Oxford, and Jack Goldstone uh, of George Mason University, which looks at that phenomenon of political demography, the idea that population change does affect society and politics, or can affect society and politics. And that doesn't have to be immigration, it could be differences in birth rates, it could be differences in age structures, so on and so forth. So political demography, on the one hand, and then dominant ethnicity, study of ethnic majorities on another, are informing this work. Um, however, this work focuses very much on the case of England and Wales. Uh, and what we've done, actually, before I get into this, I should say that we're using a number of different data sets. So this, the research is largely quantitative, but we also have a qualitative uh, component will be running four focus groups, but that's going to take place uh, later in the year. So I'm just going to present to you some of the quantitative analysis that we've done thus far. Um, and so I'll just begin with uh, a statistic that roughly 80% of UK-born whites in uh, the data set that we're looking at here, which is the Home Office Citizenship Survey 2010-11, and we geocoded that with the Census 2011 word-level census data, but 80% say that um, immigration should be reduced, whether that's a lot or reduced a little, 80% want it reduced, and that's more or less in line with a lot of the polling data that we find. Uh, okay, so the question that we've set ourselves is to try and explain, uh, you know, what type of white UK-born respondent tends to favor uh, immigration remaining the same or increasing versus uh, being reduced. And this is just a graph that's trying to do a number of things all at once. Um, so the, 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 the title is, you know, reduce the number of immigrants a lot or a little. Um, we've broken this down by social class, but also importantly by diversity of ward. 
And what this is doing is it's creating 10 deciles of equal population. Okay, it's taking the 8,850 wards of England and Wales, breaking that up into 10 equal groups, and then ranking them by diversity. From the most homogenous, where you hardly find any ethnic minorities, to the most diverse, where ethnic minorities are in the majority, if you like. Uh, and you can see there's this declining pattern after about decile 7. So decile 7, these are wards which are about 90% or more white and form the vast majority of, of the wards of England and Wales. But as we get into eight, nine, deciles 8, 9, 10, we see that opposition to immigration tends to be lower. So opposition falls in the more diverse wards. And that might be counterintuitive. Some people would think, okay, more diversity, more reaction to diversity, more opposition to immigration. But actually, we find the reverse. So the more diverse areas, you get a, a reduction in um, hostility to immigration. And that's part of a, you know, that accords with um, a, a viewpoint known as the contact hypothesis that would suggest that because people are, are able to have contact with more immigrants, with diversity, uh, at the local level, they're able to get to know different ethnic groups and therefore their hostility to immigration is reduced. Um, so this is kind of a question that we're going to be asking. Is the contact hypothesis accurate in explaining uh, the patterns that we see in the data? Um, however, I also want to draw your attention. If we look at this decline in hostility to immigration, it happens across all classes. However, there is a difference between those in, particularly in the professional and managerial and those in the working class. The gap between the average, this, is the, this dotted line is the average uh, response to this question about reducing immigration. The working class and the average are not so far apart in the very homogenous areas. But by the time we get down here, the gap is much larger. And we'll see that's a feature of a lot of the data, that the working class seems to be less affected by this contact mechanism, if that's what it is, than respondents, white respondents as a whole. Uh, just a bit about this whole contact hypothesis. Now, one of the things we did look at was the literature, mainly a US literature, on um, opposition or opinion on immigration and immigrants. Uh, and one of the things that's interesting about this literature is that if you look at uh, studies that focus on the ward level populations generally 10 to 30,000 or below, that is small geographies, if you've got a lot of diversity in your locale, in your small geography, your neighborhood, your ward, um, that seems to be associated with a more favorable view of immigrants and immigration. So in 74% of these studies that we looked at, and this is kind of a meta-analysis, um, higher diversity seems to be linked to less animosity to immigrants. However, if you go up a level to uh, the local authority or the county, if we're talking about the U.S. context, in these 43 studies we looked at, um, it's a reverse relationship. So the more diversity seems to be associated with more hostility. So in 86% of these 43 studies, more diversity in your county or your local authority or your larger geography seems to be associated with greater opposition to immigration and immigrants. One way of reconciling those two seemingly dissonant findings is that when you have an increase in diversity in your metropolitan or your local authority level, uh, you experience a sense of threat. However, if you're able to have positive contact at your more neighborhood or local level, then this dissipates that sense of threat and can lead actually to increased accommodation. So we're going to want to test this particular argument in what we're doing uh, today. However, before we get to that, there is a, an important issue where, and this is where I think our study really makes a contribution, which is there's a problem of selection bias. So one of the, way, you know, one of the ways you could explain this uh, pattern is to say, well, all the whites who didn't like immigration or diversity have left from these diverse wards, and you, you have a selection only of the more tolerant whites that are left behind, which is what accounts for this particular pattern. So really, in order to, to, to test, to evaluate that, we're going to have to look at the people who move, the whites who move out of the diverse areas and into the diverse areas, the whites who remain in those diverse areas, and compare them in their opinions. Um, 
So we're going to have to say, you know, the answer that says, well, it's just the whites who don't like diversity who've moved away, and that's why you've got tolerant whites left behind in these areas. Okay, so this, I don't believe, has been properly tested. Now, maybe one of you out there knows something I don't, uh, and I'd love to hear from you on this. Why has it not been properly tested? I think the, the problem is that in order to, to evaluate this, you have to have a very large sample size. So many surveys have a small representation of ethnic minorities, but they've got an even smaller representation of whites living in areas where ethnic minorities are, com are common or may even be a majority. So that is a real needle in a haystack problem in terms of sample size. So you need a large sample size. You also need to have a data set that's longitudinal that follows people over time so you can follow people as they move from one kind of area, let's say a diverse area where whites are a minority to a homogenous area where whites are an overwhelming majority or vice versa. So you have to have that longitudinal structure to be able to spot movers. Uh, so it's the large sample size longitudinal that's missing in a lot of the literature. But uh, I th what we've done is we've taken the British Household Panel Survey, which has run, which is about 10,000 individuals are sampled each year. It's run for 18 years, and it's been superseded by something called the Understanding Society <coughs> Survey, which is a 40,000 sample survey and actually connects in with the BHPS. So we've got roughly 20 years of, of data, maybe not 20, we've got about 18 waves, I believe. So that gives us a very large sample of about 150,000 person years, uh, which is enough to be able to find our sample of interest. And what we're going to do is we're going to compare white British people who enter those very diverse wards where whites are a minority. So the people moving into them, the kind of the gentrifiers, if you like, I, it's not exactly what they are, but I'll use that term for now. Uh, and the white flighters, the people who are leaving um, those diverse areas, and see if they are different in terms of their attitudinal composition. We're also going to compare them with people who remain behind in these areas. Uh, now, the BHPS Understanding Society does not ask a question on opinion about immigration. And this is one of the problems, right, is that a lot of these longitudinal data sets ask a very rich set of demographic health and other sorts of economic data, but they rarely ask anything about subjective attitudes. The BHPS does have some attitudinal items. It doesn't ask specifically about attitudes to immigration, so we'll have to get at that indirectly through proxy questions, uh, which are not entirely satisfactory, but I think are strong enough to be able to make the point that uh, we wish to make. Now, some of the most important work in the residential segregation literature uh, in Britain has been done by Ludi Simpson. Um, and he has quite an interesting way of looking at the different wards um, in England. He breaks the wards of England into five separate quintiles based on share of minority population. So you're taking the ethnic minority population of England, breaking it into five equal parts, and then saying, well, where do these fifths of the ethnic minority population live. In 2001, uh, a fifth of Britain's ethnic minorities lived in just 102 wards out of a total 8850. So that's quite a concentration if you think about it, 100 out of 8850. The next quintile, the next fifth of minorities living in just 180 wards, the next fifth in 288. So you have here 60% uh, of the minority population living in what is that? Less than 500 of the almost 9,000 wards. So it's a very concentrated population. We're going to want to look at the uh, white British population that are living in these wards in particular. The other thing we can look at is movement. So moving from, say, quintile 5, on average 34% white, to quintile 1, on average 98% white, which contains 85% of the wards in England and Wales, now, that kind of a move, one could say, on the face of it, uh, oh, that looks like white flight. Or even a move from 4 to 3, 4 to 2. Any move in this direction is a move away from diversity. And a move in the other direction is a move towards diversity. And we'll want to compare these two flows and say, are they similar? Are they different? In what ways are they s are similar or different? We'll also want to compare them to the people who remain behind, uh, particularly the white British who remain behind. Um, now, we have a very large sample here, um, roughly 132,000 
person years in the sort of 18 ways we've looked at of the BHPS and understanding society. Uh, however, look how few, in terms of our sample of interest, it's very small. It's only uh, less than 2,000 people. Uh, I'll talk about what this means in a minute. So of this sample, 90.7% of these person years, you have no movement. People are just staying where they are. In 2% of cases, people move, but they stay within their ward, so they aren't captured by our measures of ward diversity. 7.3% of people are moving between wards, so we can start to ask the question, who's moving between a very diverse ward and a very homogenous ward, and vice versa? Turns out that in most of those cases, people are moving between the same level of diversity of wards, so that's, again, going to fall outside our area of interest. However, we have here 1,670 people who moved uh, away from diversity. That is, they moved to a less diverse ward. So if you like, there are these people here that are moving in this direction. And four, 1,421 that are moving, uh, if you like, the other way towards diversity. Uh, and this is restricted to white UK-born uh, respondents. So it's a small sample, but it's large enough to do some interesting analysis with. Um, one of the things that, that immediately struck us by looking at these two flows is how similar in profile they are. There really doesn't seem to be any evidence that the people who are fleeing, if you like, diversity and those who are seeking it out differ in many core characteristics. So their voting is exactly the same. 24% Tory amongst those leaving diversity, 24% amongst those moving towards diversity. Working class composition identical. Degrees slightly higher amongst those leaving diversity, but it's pretty similar. Proportion identifying themselves, their national identity as English is the same. And these are all important predictors of uh, support or opposition to immigration. So it's very revealing then that in those characteristics, um, the two are very similar. There are some attitudinal questions here about views on homosexuality, views on a woman's place, should a woman be in the home, etc. Uh, also, there's a question on is British citizenship the best, is Britain the best country, etc. And in all these, uh, all these attitudinal items, there were no statistically significant differences between these two flows. So, yes, there are some differences in terms of slightly higher tabloid readership amongst those leave, leaving diversity. In particular, a much uh, smaller proportion of renters. So people who leave diversity for a more homogenous area tend to be homeowners, and those who are moving towards diversity tend to be uh, more likely to be renters. Uh, but I want to stress that even in those areas where there is a difference, the differences are, are smaller than the differences between movers and stayers. That's really the big difference that we identified. It's not movers to and from diversity, it's movers of all kinds, whether to or from diversity, and stayers of all kinds, whether you're staying in a diverse area or staying in a homogenous area. So I think this evidence suggests, at least to us, that the selection argument doesn't seem particularly strong. The argument that people are leaving diversity because they don't like it, and that's what accounts for the more tolerant opinion of whites in those diverse areas, doesn't seem to have a lot of evidence behind them because these two populations are almost identical in voting, family values, English national identity, British patriotism, newspaper readership. And this actually, there is some emerging research in the Swedish case that does have a direct question on opinion of immigrants, which shows that people who are leaving heavily diverse areas, the white Swedes, are actually somewhat less hostile to immigrants and immigration than those who remain. So this kind of accords with that evidence as well. However, there is a difference that we found between movers and stayers of all kinds. Um, movers seem to be more tolerant on family values, morality, etc. So just, I'm not going to, I don't know how much time I'm going to have here, but just to talk you through some of the interesting differences here. A question like, is cohabitation before marriage wrong? Um, amongst those who are movers, 73.8% um, would disagree with that statement. Amongst those who are, are stayers, it's 52%. British citizenship, the best in the world. Stayers, 75%. Movers, 65%. Um, there's differences in terms of broadsheet readership, 32% amongst movers, 27% amongst stayers. Uh, degrees, 11% amongst stayers, 18% amongst movers. 
So a lot more significant differences seem to be emerging between movers of all kinds and stayers of all kinds. Age, again, only 7% of the movers are 65 and over, 22.4 of the stayers. So a much older population as well uh, amongst the stayers. So a lot of the characteristics that are associated with more hostility to immigration seem to be better represented amongst stayers. And that stayers in a diverse area, stayers in a homogenous area, that's not the, the important thing. Now, my co-investigator, Gareth Harris, has done some work on the far right in Greater London in the period 2007 to 10, which corroborates a lot of what we're finding. His analysis was mainly at the aggregate level, but what he found is that support for the British National Party was much stronger in relatively close-knit wards where there was little population movement in or out. Initially, he thought he'd find high support for the BNP in areas where whites had moved to, say, out of inner London to Essex or to some other parts of the southeast, uh, but didn't find that. Actually, areas where there'd been a lot of white movement in were not more supportive of the BNP. It was actually areas that had very little movement. And that accords kind of with this argument about transience being associated somehow with higher toleration of immigration. And it also chimes with some of the research that's been done by Matt Goodwin uh, and Bauer in 2008, that far-right support seems to be concentrated in these white enclaves within uh, diversifying areas, diversifying local authorities. So again, that, that different relationship to diversity at the ward and neighborhood level uh, and at the local authority, county, metro level. Okay, um, so let's just return to some of these charts looking at white UK-born opinion uh, of immigration by diversity of area. Uh, and so, again, this is this, this graph that breaks it up by class. You can see the gap between the average and the working class, 5% here, but it's over twice that when we get to the most diverse areas. So what's, we're also going to want to ask why it is that the white working class seems to be less affected by this contact effect. Incidentally, when, whether we express the geographic units in terms of proportion non-white down here or proportion of recent immigrants, the patterns look pretty similar. So in areas that have, that have over 15% recent immigrants, immigrants have, that have been in the country less than 10 years, uh, there is a greater toleration of immigration, but the gap between the working class, white working class and the white average is much larger um, than in the more homogenous areas. Uh, I know this is not how you're supposed to present data, but, but and I'm not going to talk you through all of this. It's just to say that, uh, so this is this kind of evolving research, but I want you to focus on this. Um, is that crinkle there? But anyway, <laughs> this is the, uh, the measure of recent immigrants down here, proportion of immigrants less than 10 years. And we have that coefficient of negative, or the uh, T statistic of negative 817, which is just to say that that's larger than um, these statistics for all these other characteristics, uh, which region you live in, uh, marital status, whether you have a child or not, housing, tenure, income, employment. Uh, educational qualifications is the only one that matters more. In other words, if you have a university degree, you're going to be more tolerant uh, of immigration. But other than that, it's the uh, diversity of your area in terms of proportion of recent immigrants which predicts less hostility to, um, to immigration. However, I now want to introduce the role of transients because what's important about, we, remember we saw that movers tend to be more tolerant of immigration than stayers. Well, it's also true that areas that are heavy minority or immigrant areas tend to have much more transient white populations four or five times as transient as the most homogeneously white ward. Um, so could it be, therefore, that it's not so much contact with minorities as a very transient white population that explains the, the, more, the, the more tolerant attitudes to immigration? So if we banned wards by proportion renters from those with the least to those with the most renters, we see a similar relationship here. That is a, a decline in hostility to immigration. Um, however, again, the white working class seeming to be less affected than the white population as a whole. So we're going to want to introduce a, uh, a contextual term that captures this transience a little bit. And, and 
what we've done here is put in a factor which is a combination of how urban an area, the proportion of renters, and the proportion of single people. Uh, and it turns out that that is uh, extremely important, and it overshadows the proportion of immigrants. But it doesn't remove the term for the proportion of immigrants in your ward. So yes, the transients, if you like, if you consider this to be a, a, a term for transients, the transients of your ward, that is the, the degree to which there's population turnover and there's more movers and renters in your area, is associated with less opposition to immigration. Uh, but even with that term in, it's the case that the proportion of immigrants in your ward, higher proportion may, means a more tolerant white population. Um, okay. Um, sorry, what was I going to show you next? Yeah, what I then wanted to show you is, you could argue then that it's contact with minorities that's, that's making the difference. So if you're in an area that has a higher proportion of immigrants, the reason that you're more tolerant of immigrants than immigration is because you're having more contact. Um, we can put in, there is a question on the citizenship survey on mixing and having friends of a different race. Whether, this is how often you mix with members of ethnic minorities and this is having friends of a, of a different race. And those are highly significant and do remove all, not all, but a large chunk of the effect of this proportion of immigrants. So I do think there is an effect there in terms of contact with immigrants um, that's at work. However, if we restrict the sample just to work white working class respondents, you can see that this uh, no longer is significant. And that kind of, kind of chimes with those graphs where we saw the gap between the white UK-born population as a whole and the white working class widening as we get into these very diverse areas. So whatever kind of contact effect is happening, it seems to be less it seems not to be affecting the white working class as much as the white middle and upper class. Um, so that is, I think, also a very important finding. It's not entirely a good news story. Yeah? Can I just uh, remind us what the dependent variable is? Oh, sorry. The dependent variable is, uh, you know, do you, would you like to see immigration reduced? So, yeah, it's, it's a binary. Now, I have also run this as a logistic regression. But it's, a, it's yeah, it's, this, is, it's, this actually can be run as a logistic, and it shows very similar. Um, Okay, the next thing I wanted to do was to say, well, let's, instead of running this on a dependent variable, that is, do you want immigration reduced or not, what we're going to run it on is, um, do, we want, do you want immigration reduced a lot or not? So this is isolating the, the people who gave the response, we would like to see immigration reduced a lot. And that's about 60% of the white UK-born respondents in this sample who say they would like to see immigration reduced a lot. Uh, so a similar analysis, again, showing a very strong effect of proportion of immigrants in your ward. Uh, again, stronger than any of these other variables except the education ones. Um, with the introduction of uh, this transience, proportion renters, um, urban renters and singles in your area, again, that is a more important or seems to be a stronger effect than proportion immigrants. So that is very important for that question as well. Um, when we restrict to the white working class respondents, what's interesting is that the uh, term here for proportion of immigrants in your ward remains significant. It's not entirely disappeared. So that's important. It seems to me that um, at least when it comes to hostility, to, to wanting a big reduction in immigration, there is some contact effect that even affects the white working class. So that's an interesting uh, observation. Um, right. So we can kind of look then at these two questions. One is uh, simple opposition to immigration. Do you favor reduction or not? And then this one, do you favor a reduction by a lot or not? And look at it by class. Uh, and you can see if, if significance is approximately at this t-statistic level. Significant for, in the, in the first case, for all but the white working class, there seems to be a contact effect whereby contact with more immigrants or minorities in your area leads to a more favorable view of immigration. And there also seems to be that effect here with uh, reducing immigration by a lot, uh, which in comes to include even the working class, although perhaps marginally, but still. Uh, so this seems to be 
of interest. Right, so just to conclude then, what, have, what does this research seem to tell us uh, in our project? The first is that your local context matters for immigration and vice versa. Sometimes in the social science research on immigration, there's only a focus on national level surveys and national level survey questions and an argument that it's just the media and it's tabloids and whatever that creates hostility or, or favorable views of immigration. What well, seems to me here that uh, local context also matters. The proportion of immigrants in your area, how fast your, your neighborhood is changing, matters for the way you see immigration. And there's some interesting work by, this is more work by historians, which, which argues that the way people see their national identity uh, tends to be refracted through the prism of their locale. So your national identity is to some extent your locale writ large and vice versa. So that, there's, a, there's an interplay between your local perceptions and your perception of what the nation is. So I think there's something going on there. Uh, so local context seems to matter. Uh, whites in the diverse English wards are more positive about immigration, whether that diversity is measured as percentage of uh, immigrants or percentage of ethnic minorities. It doesn't seem to be the case that this pattern is an artifact of self-selection, that is of intolerant whites fleeing, so it doesn't seem to be a white flight type of explanation. However, it's not entirely a context explanation either. Uh, in fact, transients, the proportion of singles and renters in an area does seem to be more important than the proportion of ethnic minorities in explaining greater white toleration in these diverse areas because diverse areas tend to have more transient white populations. Uh, so some support for contact theory, but more in terms of, at least when we're speaking about the white working class, contact seems to have a greater effect in ameliorating the the largest, sort of the hostility to immigration, reduced by a lot. That sentiment seems to be affected more by contact than, um, it, it's not so much the case that support for current levels or for increased levels of immigration is affected as much by contact with uh, minorities or immigrants. And it's also true that the white working class attitudes are affected much less than those for the um, professional and managerial and also the middle class. Uh, so just looking, you know, if we were to try and speculate, we might say that, you know, looking ahead with a greater diversification of the UK population, are we going to see more hostility to, to immigration? On the one hand, you might say, well, as the population of England becomes more used to diversity in their neighborhoods, they'll become less opposed to immigration. However, set against that, we also have to look at how uh, increased diversity at the higher levels, the metropolitan areas, the local authority levels, that that might be stimulating a threat response amongst the whites that are not living in these diverse neighborhoods. And so it's not clear that this is pointing in any one, any one direction. Um, further research, as I said, we're going to be running a couple of focus groups. We want to focus especially in, these, in this focus group work, we want to look at um, white working class British people living as minorities in places like Newham. Um, so we want to focus on them, but then also pair that with another focus group in an adjacent area where whites are an over overwhelming majority. Um, so we want to see if we can tease out some of the further meanings that people attach to this. And, and also we want to expand from just a single wave to all five waves of the citizenship survey to get a larger sample. Um, Anyhow, I look forward to your comments. Thank you. I'm sure there are lots of questions. Um, just out of the way. I want to come back to the, your argument about selection is not a factor generating a difference. Right. Um, you make the argument by comparing people who move to more diverse areas to people, comparing them with people who move to less diverse areas. Right. I wonder if that is the right comparison, though, because what kind of self-selection would um, generate the, the first line that you show? Uh, it could it, I mean, I can think of two other types of comparison which might be informative. One is, think of a situation where people who are really intolerant of ethnic minority 
uh, and live in very diverse area, they, they move out compared with people who stay, right? That's one kind of self-selection. So if you're thinking about that, you should be comparing people who leave very diverse area compared with people who don't leave. Secondly, uh, among people who leave, who, who leave an area, you know, there are various constraints about geographical mobility, you know, maybe there is a typical move is what, 10 kilometer or 20 kilometer or whatever. So among the 20 kilometer radius, maybe there are, you know, four or five possible uh, ward or, you know, comparable house price. And among those four or five, where would you move? So in that case, we if you think about that, the comparison is among people who move from very diverse area, uh, what are the possible uh, destination and uh, uh, movement um, to uh, same level of diversity versus less diverse uh, ward, uh, or, or the other way around too, from people who seek diversity. So I thought I would uh, like to see that sort of comparison uh, sort of um, carry out, and I'd like to see some of those results before I want to uh, rule out the argument of self-selection. Okay. Can Is I just answer them one at a time, because I don't have a yeah, pen yeah, here yeah. to write. <laughs> yeah, those are, I mean, excellent points, absolutely agree. You know, you have to, I think comparing people who leave these diverse areas with people who stay in them is very important, and we have done that comparison. Um, I mean, the graph, the earlier thing that I showed, sorry to whiz through here, um, doesn't distinguish between, it just takes movers as a whole and stayers as a whole. So you're right, it doesn't distinguish between movers from diverse areas and stayers in diverse areas. We have, however, done, I mean, I, I agree, you just have to take it on trust, but we have done that comparison. The stayer, the people who, who remain in those diverse areas compared to those who move out of them, the people who remain in them have the more conservative attitudes. Now, you would have, you would have thought... I suppose if, if there is an effect of self-selection, you'd, you'd expect the reverse. So you, you'd expect the people who are remaining in the diverse areas to be more tolerant of immigration than those who leave. So, but you're right, we probably need to sort of you know, have a slide or something that explicitly shows that. The other thing we've done, which again isn't shown here, is kind of a multivariate analysis of those flows in and out so that we can, I think, rule out something like distance of move, for example, which doesn't turn out to be significant, a significant factor. But, that, but you're right, especially when we look at an individual neighborhood or an, an individual ward, there I think you're right, and particularly in the focus groups, it's important to know what are the options that people have. But I guess across England as a whole, um, I guess I would have thought that that maybe would have washed out in some way if you take the country, if you take all the wards as a whole. Um, but... I agree with you. It's something we need to look at in more, in, with so more care. Like yeah. Right. Okay. It's like what economists study in transportation shows. Right. So there are options, and then you need to choose one among you know, various options. So right. think about the person who, who moves right. out, either stay as renter or move from right. renter to owner-occupied. Okay. So they, they are really comparing possible destination rather than choosing, you know, diverse. Well, diversity is one of many things they need to take into account. Right. So it's, it's like a multi, multinomial logic, for example? Is that sort of what you mean? Or uh, multiple? What's that? That's, 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 that's pretty much related to conditional logic and multinomial logic. Okay, okay. It's, it's also partly uh, different terms, uh, you can even do what's probably interesting for your purpose to make a mid and mixed logic because then you can kind of uh, uh, different tolerance parameters. Okay. For instance, ethnic diversity and. Okay. I, I think you know, I'll need to pick your brains later on, definitely. <laughs> Great. So, uh, keeping on the side, we've got John and then Steve. Yeah, this is a statistical point. Yeah. I, um, as I understand it, your, your main variable on. Right. Only varies at the at the ward level. Is that correct? Uh, so, so it varies at the individual level, but individuals nested within wards. Yeah. Right. Um. Okay. I, I, I 
All right, okay. Okay, uh, Steve. Oh, the, uh, sorry, the... Of, um, yeah, so the 20 years of BHPS, only 10% of the population moved. Right, 10%, um, oh, yes, sorry, yeah. 10% of the... Now, the first reaction I had, actually, was that, you know, if I had to guess the migration rates, and people would make less than a million, that's true. It would be more like 10% a year, rather than 10% a year. Right. Yeah, I, I should say, this is, this is, sorry, these are person years in the sense that, so for any given individual, it's going to be much, much higher than this uh, over the whole 20-year period. Um, but I will say one thing is that this is the 7.3% of person years, there was a move between wards. And some, another data set which I'm using or which we're using is the ONS Longitudinal Survey. And in that, we find that roughly, if, we, if there's a question asked, uh, of whether you moved out of your ward in the past year on the census. And roughly, you know, seven, seven and a half percent of the sample of the ONS uh, longitudinal survey moved last year out of their ward. So I think, you know, at least in terms of a given year, it is roughly where the, the national census numbers are. But I, I take your point. You're right. The, the question is, because we initially thought this was quite a low figure for... Um, movement, but then we sort of thought, well, actually, it, it is expressed in person here, so you could have an individual that moves, you know, they may only move, only 7.3% move in any given year, but one individual might be much higher over the 20 year period. So it would be interesting to see the basic simulation of, you know, with this kind of migration and rate patterns, how big does the difference in absolute capacity generate the current right. distribution of that? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, a very good suggestion, which I'll take you up on, definitely. <laughs> good, yeah. Right, so now we're moving to the other side of the room. Noah. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, my question for Dr. Wings. Could, could it be that um, initially, say, decades ago, when uh, large, or even longer ago, when large-scale immigration was taking place in the United uh, Kingdom, that's when, the, uh, that's when all the movement, the selection happened, and then since then, selection has been reproducing itself, so that people have tended to stay within their own the wards which satisfy their racial preferences and therefore it's, it's kind of selection from long ago rather than the current effect of uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. I mean, the question, I suppose, would be how to explain, so you're saying that the toler at some point there was a bunch of white flight leaving behind tolerant yes. uh, populations who have sort of somehow retained those attitudes. Right. I guess it's possible, you know, I mean, I suppose if we go back further than 20 years, uh, 
you know, maybe that is what happened. And I just, I, you know, to be able to approach that statistically would be interesting. It'd be an interesting thing to test, absolutely. So uh, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Right, we have six more in the queue. So, Francesca. Oh, thank you. That was interesting scientifically and personally. Uh, <laughs> so, I had two points here. I think one of your arguments is that here the working class is less affected by diversity, but I didn't see an explicit test of an interaction effect between uh, class and kind of war diversity. I was wondering whether that was hidden. Right, right. Uh, it's not here. You know, I agree. It isn't there. All we did was cut the data set by working white working class. We, uh, we have done an inter... We have, I know that sounds a bit, bit like a, a dodge, but we have done an interaction which, which I think shows the same thing, but I think that's a, diff a different way of presenting the data. We should do that yeah, interaction between... Because it's not central to your reasoning. Then. Right. But yeah. the, other, the other point that I thought it was... Uh, I was waiting for you to show that was uh, whether you tried to have a kind of a three-level perspective because your argument is that the world level is affecting through contact and the more, more aggregate but still not national level, uh, would, you, you expect the other way around, the opposite right. effect. And I was wondering, I mean, with this data you probably can do it, you can aggregate. Yeah, well, exactly, and, and is this is where, this <laughs> it is possible, um, I, I don't know, I, um, I put further research with okay. we'll use multi-level analysis. So yeah, as we speak, uh, Gareth has got his ML win model going with the, the, the local authority. And I, from what I've seen, you in didn't try with other multi-level kind of with, with the simple stuff to see whether. Well, we we haven't we haven't yet done the the local authority the wards nested within the local authority and then the individuals within the wards. I mean, I suppose he's kind of gone off with the multi-level model and tried it that way. What I've seen of it so far is that the local authority term is kind of borderline significant in that hostile direction. So, I mean, that seems to you know, roughly accord with the literature, but it's, it's going to need to be refined a bit more to, we have, to give us a sort of definitive result. But, um, but yeah, a good point that we need to do this multi-level. Can I just come in on that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I have the prerogative to chair a decision here. <laughs> uh, and say that, I mean, what I show is that segregation is crucial. So you have to interact with segregation in the local authority area with drinks and right. the proportion of whatever you're here. Yeah. So the degree of segregation makes a huge difference, which is why you have very few, you know, lock, very tolerant people rent, let's say, even though it has a high proportion of urban Right. Well, that's. I mean, that is an interesting question. I one thing I will that we have got um, is Muslim white segregation within wards. So we actually computed though we had somebody compute those, and it didn't turn out. With, oh, oh, sorry, so within the local authority. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that we don't have. But because we. That, that yeah. captures the huge difference you get in right. London. Okay, yeah, no, that's definitely a good good suggestion, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the queue here. Maybe, maybe <laughs> um, you, uh, um, then uh, we have a gentleman from the right there. Oh, right. So. <laughs> Go for it. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. I thought it was very interesting. Thank you. Uh, um, these are just comments, really. Uh, All right observations rather than comments on it. I was wondering if, you, if you'd seen work by Stillwell, John Stillwell and Serena uh, Hussain on, on, the, on the migration. And one of the, one of the conclusions, or one of the important conclusions I think that they came out with was that the net effect of the white upward movement was to go to areas of concentrated white population, whereas the, the movement of uh, minority groups uh, was going to going into more diverse areas, in other words. Uh, on the other hand, the, 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 the thing which is guiding those, those sets of people was that you've got a general outward movement from those uh, situations. So uh, go, going, to, go, going to white areas is, is that you, one of the reasons would be that you've got a larger number of those uh, if you're moving out of the team. Well, one of the other, the other, the other uh, comment was really that um, there's, a quite a there's a large um, 
research project going on in, in, in Oxford, which is led by, um, um, whatever, just, just in for a second. Tell, tell yeah, Mouse is the. Uh, right, right, yes, I'm aware of him. Yeah. Yeah, working on national religious diversity and social trust. Right. I mean, I, I, I think this is very interesting work that, that Carrie Peach is, is doing, and, and Miles, I, I'm nowhere near as, I've seen Miles present, and it's kind of intimidating because he's such a good presenter. But um, no, this, this also has kind of implications for some of that research on white flight, because one of the things we're also doing is, is trying to ask the question, well, first we wanted to know whether white British are more likely to leave diverse areas than minorities. And we, do f we find that when they move, the white British move to whiter areas, as you say, than, than minorities. But also to ask, well, are the people who are moving in some way attitudinally, are they different uh, than those who remain? And, and so far we haven't found that. But I think there are interesting intersections because I, I think you're on the right path. That you have to bring in some of these subjective attitudes as well into the... What, what has been mainly a research area focused on macro patterns. Well, yeah. Just sort of a, a, another really interesting point that uh, the attitudinal data are coming out in, in the way I described. Oh, yeah. What we don't have is any uh, uh, analytical data on the actual people who have moved and the reasons for it. I mean, tracking, tracking those people down and having focus groups on why they moved is, is the missing right. element, I think. In okay. Yeah, well, I mean, we're definitely going to try and, of course, we can't do focus groups with movers. I think that's, because it's one of those things that's very difficult. All we can do is hope we get a few movers in the focus group, but I... Um, well, I, it's, it's one way into this might be that if you, if you look at the, uh, the, the, the groups that do uh, surveys on uh, people who haven't paid their rent or, uh, or shifted <laughs> sort of slyly uh, without paying their, their taxes and, and so on, um, you could actually have, if you could get hold of data like that, not knowledge of where people came from and oh, yeah. areas where they moved to, oh. and even after that, select perhaps uh, areas in which uh, the, the, the kind of characteristics that you're looking for. Next, okay. Steve has a follow-up. Yeah, well, it is related, um, related to the uh, first Really? Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just don't want to have to hang out with estate agents. <laughs> 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 well, um, yeah, I, uh, I just wanted to ask about this transient effect. Mm. Um, because, I, it, well, as you showed in your models, it was actually stronger than this diversity. Right. So I was wondering what you thought it was about these highly transient areas that had such a positive effect on the immigration attitudes over and above all these other things that you've included in your model. For example, you would expect, or I would expect that people in these transient, more diverse areas, the white people in those areas, would be a lot younger than the kind of people at the beginning of their career and then right. less kind of conservative. 
obviously adjusted for age and a lot of other things in that world. So what does yeah. it think about these transient areas that make you kind of less... Yeah, exactly, because so, we have the individual, I'm not going to go back to that horrible output, but we have the, the individual characteristics of people, and we've also got the contextual. And, and so you're right, we are con already controlling for whether they're a renter or not and how old they are. But over and above that, the context of being in an area full of renters, and, and the only way I can think of this is as, as a contextual effect. So you're living in an area with a lot of turnover, um, with a lot of singles, that that somehow affects, it somehow rubs off on you, even perhaps if you're not a renter. Um, we did, I did do an interaction in another run of the model that showed that the context of, of being in an area with a lot of renters seems to affect you most if you are already a renter. So there, is, there does seem to be some kind of an interaction going on there. I, yeah, I think it is something to do with, um, again, with context affecting affecting you. Perhaps it's, it's the way the, sh the norms in the area are shaped. The environment is shaped by the composition. So it's the composition which somehow shapes that, that the norms which then rub off on the individuals. But it's definitely a contextual. I don't think it's compositional. I think it's a contextual effect. The other thing I should say is there's a lot of other questions on the citizenship survey, much more detailed individual items, um, you know, fear of crime, uh, and, do you think you're being discriminated against in housing? And all of these other, even when we stick all of those questions in, which I haven't here, it doesn't remove these, the power of these contextual effects. So they do seem to be you know, quite powerful. Um, I think maybe, just as you were talking now, I was thinking maybe it, it is the idea that if you are living in a transient area, yeah. any kind of contextual, fact, any kind of attitude towards your area is going to be less pronounced. Any, right. any, any negative feelings you might have towards some Right. And also, I mean, in addition, if this theory about your local, your lo you know, your locale um, being a prism through which you see national politics, if that theory is correct, you're going to have, you know, your view of your locale is going to color your view of, of national political issues. It's interesting that, for example, the proportion of people who are voters who, who voted in the last election is lower amongst people who move. Um, so that does perhaps lend some support to what you're talking about. Um. Yes, thank you. You're a very interesting talk. Um, provoked uh, a <laughs> question in my mind. I won't know the answer, but don't. It's something to do with numbers. Um, first of all, to what extent um, do your VHPS uh, movement data um, correspond to the data in, in, in the census? And for example, in, in effect, in London from 2001 to 2011, uh, there was a considerable overall increase in London's population, a substantial decline in the white British population, a substantial increase, all the increase in America was in, in the, uh, the non-white population. And I wonder how that fits with the rather more modest um, uh, data that you were on, 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 on war groups, because that must be replicated in some other things. Yeah. Um, but secondly, um, yeah. Uh, I should know the answer, but <laughs> it seems so obvious. Um, to what extent is, is movement um, dependent upon the, um, the minority proportion, in particular uh, boroughs and wards and other local authority uh, levels. Uh, that it, it, it must be that there is, there is much less white movement into, let's say, Tower Hamlets and Lambeth and, and, and such places than, than into a equivalent ward or borough of, 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 of similar size, which didn't have that characteristic. And if, if that were not the case, then, then you wouldn't get to the white population dimensions eradicated over time. There must be very substantial output in that term to the white population. Yeah, and then this is sort of uh, the other side of our research project. So one side of it is looking at opinion on immigration and to some extent far-right voting. The other side is addressing this white flight question. And you're right. I, I think, however, that this is represented by Mount, and The other research uses the ONS longitudinal survey and the 2011 data we're going to have access to it in May. Um, and what we found in the ONS, certainly for the 2001, it was about 7% moved out of ward in the previous year. Um, so that accords with this data, I think, pretty well. Also, the patterns, uh, it's true. Uh, one of the things we found is that if you take movers, two movers out of a very diverse ward in England, 
the white mover will move to a whiter area. So they move away from diversity to a greater extent than the minority mover. So that is evidence, I think, of what you're talking about. This, so you, and I, however, I don't think it's white flight as much as white avoidance. And the, the analogy, I mean, just from the data that I've looked at, it's, if you think of a bathtub, uh, the whites and the minorities are, are leaving these areas because they're not very desirable areas. But the flow in, there's always been, again, that transience. A lot of whites have moved into the diverse areas. A lot of whites have moved out. What seems to be happening is there's a drying up of the inflow of whites into the kind of places, Tower Hamlets and, and New York. So there does, there, that seems to be what's shifting the population. The other thing is that the white British, the ethnic English, the majority group in England, have, I think, a distinctive behavior from the white other, the whites who are of you know, East European or Irish or Southern European or some other origin don't seem to have the same uh, migration, you know, same patterns. So it does seem to be specifically white British movement. But that, that in itself is, I think, very interesting. And we've tried to, to, to explain that. Is it in some way linked in any way to attitudes? And we haven't found any attitudinal uh, correlates of that. So it might be that their networks are England-wide as opposed to... Um, not, you know, people who aren't white British have networks that are maybe only London-wide or, or only to other diverse areas. But it, it's, it's a problem that we're continuing to, to grapple with. Yeah. Can I uh, ask a couple of questions? Um, so, sort of picky points. But I guess, oh, uh, well, actually, one of the things about those sort of transients, and I wonder, just going to come back to Rob's point, I mean, first of all, is, it, is, is this just London? Is this just London? We try putting in a dummy variable for London because I imagine that there's much more transients in Brentford, let's say Oldenmore, Bradford, and so on. So are we just getting a kind of London as a more cosmopolitan city effect? Um, and the other thing, um, and we're just yeah, partly through the landmark. I mean, if you try that, right. yeah, we have. I mean, we have put in a London. We also, I, I mean, again, I don't want to show you this, but we have got a, a, a region. Um, I think region six or seven is London. I'm not sure which one. But it, okay. we, we do have a, a control. And we have also done a kind of control for London okay. as well. Um, but yeah, no, it doesn't seem to affect. London seems to, you know, correlates to some degree with proportion of immigrants. Uh, so it does reduce it a little no, bit. No, I'm really thinking about transients of tea. Because I think that's one of the most interesting right. things that come out of the yeah. analysis so far. Okay. Right. Transients. Okay. Uh, understanding the mechanism, that seems like a really interesting yeah, thing yeah. for you but yeah, the more picky question was, um, why did you look at warts? Because I, I mean, do, is that the lowest you can get? Or why not get the lowest, lower, like, output areas or something like that? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the wards, this is where we started, and I think you're right, that if we can move to a lower level. Because for contact, you're really right. you're not, and wards are very diverse. In fact, I was just reading um, right. an article, a paper by your colleague Paul Watt, yeah. uh, about, you know, particular thorough, and it sort of shows how diverse these two communities are right. within, within a ward. So I think from the point of view of you know, who you interact with at the shop, who your right. neighbors are, who your kids go to school with, I think more is a bit. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, I th in those results, you saw that when we put that question in for how much do you mix, there's eight categories of mixing shops, public places, pubs, whatever. Um, and do you have friends who are members of ethnic minorities? That removed sort of a large amount of the effect, but not all of it. So maybe, maybe if we had this data at the output area level, it would remove all of it. It would be entirely down to contact. So I think the one of the next steps might be to go to that lower level. The only thing I would say is if you look at some Ameri you know, American research in this area shows that patterns are more extreme the lower down you get. But it's not vastly different. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I think it does have to be done, and we are going to do it. But we sort of began partly also because we're going to look at we're also going to look at far-right voting, and that is the, the voting statistics are collected at ward level, so it's hard to... We thought, well, we'll start with ward level because we can do the political, the sociological, both at, at ward level. Um, yeah. 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 Oops, hang on.
And um, you, yeah, you're in no way taking this into account in, in calculating the standard errors. And, and some of these statistics are quite low. So I, mean, I think if you took account of the fact that you only had you know, X wards, I mean, which, which you'd, you'd, you'd automatically do at the multi-level and ward an individual. Right. Uh, and if, you, know, you could be protected account very easily. I mean, in, in Salem, you could, if you just use XT, XT mix, Excellent, yeah, very good, <laughs> good suggestions. I like, you know, things that are easy, I like. <laughs> yeah. Great, any last questions? In which case we can just uh, thank again um, Eric for a wonderful seminar. Thanks.